Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 57, Comparing Yourself to Others. It's August 25th, 2022. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, and podcaster. I also happen to be a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be well-loved, happy, and healthy, even when life is extremely difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any way, and my music is by Howie Moskovich. Comparing yourself to others. This is a very, very, very common and pervasive behavior in society. And as we get going, there's some positives, some negatives I'll get into, but my suggestion and my strongest recommendation for you in listening to this podcast is for you to just listen and not beat yourself up. It's what people normally do. They beat themselves up. They say, oh, see, there's something else I'm doing wrong. See, there's something wrong with me. I'm suggesting that you just listen to this podcast from a point of curiosity, like, hmm, hmm, what would my life be like if I did or didn't do that? Or what am I doing? Because really, this is kind of opening yourself up to becoming more self-aware. So this is normal behavior to compare yourself to others. And I'm not going to get deep, deep into the the trenches on this. I'm just going to give you a very simple overview uh, on some positives and some negatives and some ways to get around it. And it is something that I do, quite frankly. I don't do it very often, though, because I'm so focused on what I'm up to. I just really don't have time. My mind is occupied with what I'm up to. So, uh, but this is an area that actually people get tripped up in, which is why I'm doing a podcast on it. It comes up fairly often, almost always in in life coaching. So hopefully this will be valuable to you. So what am I going to cover today? Today, I'm just going to lightly touch on the concept of comparing yourself to others, which is pretty obvious, give you a very few quick examples. I'm going to talk about the role that cognitive distortions play in comparing yourself to others. I am going to cover what's known as the positives to comparing yourself to others, uh, some negative aspects, and I give you, I'm going to give you an alternative. <laughs> I think you'll like that. And then some steps to move away, some actions to help you get away from doing this behavior if you're using it in a way that's not helpful and in a way that's not empowering you because all of my content is designed to empower you. A few takeaways and then a call to action. So if you are new to my content, I would love it if you would visit my website where you can enter my current giveaway, which is called Look, Look, I Want a Book. (laughs) It just makes me laugh. I love giving away stuff. Apparently, I did a long-term giveaway in in the early stages and really enjoyed it. So I'm continuing it because I like it. Uh, My website is www.lisaalundy.com, and I would love it if you entered the giveaway. Next up is my disclaimer. This is very important for you to know and understand. I am not a medical health professional or therapist in any capacity. I am not. 
you as a person should be getting your medical or health advice or therapy advice from a licensed provider, of which I'm not, just so we're clear. That's my disclaimer. Now, if you happen to be listening to this podcast and you're feeling really down or very hopeless or suicidal, or you've been thinking, you know, your life is not worth living, what I'm asking you to do is I'm asking you to please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. I'm asking you to do that because there actually is help available and there's no reason for you not to take the help that's available. If you need to put it on social media, do it. If you need to send it out on a Snapchat, do it. Do whatever it takes. Because what I promise you is, if you're feeling suicidal or thinking about harming yourself, not only is there help available, but people will help you. They really honestly will. It might not be the people that you hoped would help you or the people you think should help you, but it is what it is. So make that call if you need to. So let's talk about briefly the concept of comparing yourself to others. And you know the idea. The idea is that you or someone, you know, gauges their self-worth or outcomes or life circumstances relative to that of others. Now this idea of comparing yourself to others is as old as time. Aristotle wrote about it relative to um, social comparisons being a major player or factor in ethical decisions, and many others throughout history for thousands of years have written about uh, the relevance or the role that comparing yourself other, to others plays in politics and other topics. So this is an old concept. This is There's nothing new about this. And quite frankly, in my opinion, almost if not everyone, does it from time to time. Some people do it more and some people do it less. Now, this idea of comparing yourself to others really gained some traction in the 50s from this uh, researcher, uh, Leon Festinger, uh, and it, under the umbrella term of social comparison theory. But my podcasts are for regular people, so we don't really care too much about the history, and it is what it is. You know exactly what I'm talking about with when I say comparing yourself to others. And, you know, the research gets into the really thick stuff about upward comparison and downward comparisons. It really, in my opinion, doesn't matter, because really what I care about is how can people live a happy, healthy life where they are well loved in the quickest, easiest, fastest manner. So that's what the idea of, of comparing yourself to others is. And, and even though I'm sure you're all very familiar with this, I do want to give you just a couple quick examples. So we are absolutely on the same page. So I have seven examples here, which I'll just read off. They have a beautiful home and I don't. Their kids all turned out poorly. At least mine turned out well. They have a ton of money and I am barely scraping by. Well, my yard would look just as nice if I had that kind of time or money or whatever. He got a better grade than the rest of us. She doesn't even own a car. At least I own one. Of course she looks great. That's all she cares about. So you know what I mean 
when I'm talking about comparing yourself to others. So I just did a podcast about cognitive distortions, which is kind of a, uh, it's an inaccurate or flawed way of thinking, beliefs or, or perceptions in life really falls under the umbrella of irrational thinking. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because this, in my opinion, would absolutely play a role if you're engaging in the behavior of comparing yourself to others. Now, I'm going to touch on the positives in a moment. So there are some ways that comparing yourself to others can can be positive. It's just not mostly done in a positive way. So if you have a cognitive distortion, and my analogy is, which I included in the cognitive distortion podcast, obviously, is like you're looking at the image of yourself in a carnival or fair funhouse mirror. So you know if you go into those funhouses, they have all kinds of mirrors that warp your image, the view of yourself. Now you know you don't look like the image in the funhouse mirror because you know you're looking at a mirror and you know it's distorted because that's the way the mirror is set up. Cognitive distortions are, are similar in that they provide a distortion. It's just that you're looking through your whole life through that distortion unknowingly. I mean, once you know you have a cognitive distortion, most people get to work on it because it's, it's not, not great to have irrational thinking. So, And cognitive distortions, by the way, can contribute to anxiety and depression. I mean, cognitive distortions are quite fascinating. And it's helpful to know because anything you learn about yourself, you can fix and change. You can fix and change any irrational thinking, any behaviors. And... um, But if you have a cognitive distortion and then you are comparing yourself to others, it's like you're using the image, the distorted image of yourself from the funny, you know, funhouse mirror and using that. That's really what you're comparing. It's not a, it's not a true or valid comparison. So I just want to make a side note about that in case you have a cognitive distortion or you're dealing with someone who does. All right, so a few positives that I gleaned from the research, which were very interesting. So the research tends to focus on the negative impact that social comparisons or comparing yourself to others has. However, there were some positives in the research. So number one, it can provide motivation. It can provide inspiration. It can provide a new dream or open up new possibilities. And it can also provide information or new information on how to achieve the same result. So, for example, if you see an article online or a post or video or something about someone who's accomplished a goal that you would also like to accomplish, like, for example, losing weight or, you know, changing jobs or whatever, um, then that article or post or video could give you new information or the how-to or some some new ways and it could inspire you it could provide you with motivation like oh hey they did that I could do that too so comparing yourself to others 
isn't 100% all bad. It's just not because I just said it can provide motivation. It can provide inspiration. It can, you know, provide new great things. However, I want to be clear, that's not how it goes for most people. It's just not what the research says, and it's not my experience of people. And so this is an area that you want to become conscious of because if you're comparing yourselves to others and it doesn't leave you inspired, it doesn't leave you motivated, it doesn't leave you feeling good or feeling happy, then that's not a behavior that's helpful to you. So I want to cover some of the negative aspects of comparing yourself to others before I get into um, actions you can take. So I have several, several negative impacts. Uh, number one, it's an unfair activity because you are not the other person. You are not only not the other person, but you don't have the same life experiences. You don't have the same skills, the same personality, the same temperament, the same hardships, the same resources. So it's really not a fair comparison. Number two, this doesn't serve your higher self for the most part. It doesn't serve your higher self or your well-being for the most part. Number three, it's often a band-aid for what's really going on. Overall, number four, it is typically, you know, it doesn't give you a positive emotion overall. And number five, it can be an avoidance strategy so that sometimes you just look at other people and engage in act some of the activities you do because you're really avoiding dealing with your own life. That's actually very common. And sometimes it gives you justification for not doing your life or for doing your life the way you do it or for not doing anything. Number six, it doesn't produce long lasting happiness if it provides any happiness at all. And it can lead to uh, feeling inferior, unsuccessful and bad about yourself. Number eight, it's fake. It's fake because it's based on judgments and assumptions that you have made about someone that you probably don't really know all that well, or maybe you think you know them, or you think you know what their life has been. So it's typically not authentic. Number nine, it's not a good role model for children of any age. So if you're a parent or a grandparent, you know, other behaviors would be much better for your children or grandchildren or nieces or nephews. I've already covered that it can, well, according to the research, it can actually feed or fuel depression, anxiety, and low self-esteem. So if you already have those prop, those issues, if you're dealing with depression, low self-esteem, or anxiety, comparing yourself to others can really kind of pile on for that. And the next thing I have is if you need to feel superior, like if you're doing it because you want to feel superior to other people, that's often symptomatic of low self-esteem, low in emotional intelligence, possibly a cognitive distortion or some other issue. And sometimes people that's the reason why people do that. They want to feel better about themselves. So they compare themselves to a certain target group so they can feel better. Number 12, it's an unattractive quality to hear when people do this. You know, it's in the general category of gossip or it could be gossip. And, you know, gossip is one of those things that repels people. You know, people just typically or generally speaking do not like gossips. They don't like people who gossip because they think as soon as you 
are not talking to them, you're going to be gossiping about them. They don't want, they don't, people don't trust gossips. So comparing yourself to others, you know, out loud and with someone else can not really be so great. It can also make you look shallow. And it can be actually, depending on how it's done or what's said, it can be mean and it can be hurtful. And it's usually absent of love, compassion, and empathy. So those are 15 possible negative impacts of comparing yourself to others. In contrast, there were only like five or, you know, there were only a few positive ways that comparing yourself to others. So one thing I wanted to quote from the research goes like, it's from the um, uh, Frequent Social Comparisons and Destructive Emotions and Behaviors, colon, The Dark Side of Social Comparison by Judith White, Ellen Langer, et al. And here's the quote. In one study, people who said they made frequent social comparisons were more like were more likely to experience envy, guilt, regret, and defensiveness, and to lie, blame others, and have unmet cravings. So that's one sentence from the research, and I think that gives you the idea. It's not usually going well for people when they do that. So what's an alternative? So this is a natural behavior, and if you do it, you should, please do not be beating yourself up. I already told you that it's common, it's pervasive, Pretty much everybody does it. I mean, I do it. I just do it very rarely because I'm busy doing what I'm going to suggest. The next alternative is what's a good alternative to comparing yourself to others? Well, I want to tell you, for many years, I was homeschooling my children, not by choice, by the way. And one of the things I would frequently say to my children when I was going over an, over a, a paper they'd written or an assignment was I would ask them, is this your best work? is this your best work? Because of course I'm not them. I'm not them. I can't answer that question. I mean, I might sometimes have some, some thoughts about it, but sometimes the answer was yes, it was their best work. And sometimes the answer was no. So the question is, are you, are you living your best life? Are you doing the best you can? Well, I pretty much believe most people are doing the best they can. It's just one of my beliefs because I like I like that belief. It's, it makes me happy. But, you know, are you being all that you can be? Are you living a happy life? Are you happy? You know, have you tamed that inner critic or are you often beating yourself up over things? Taming your inner critic is very, very helpful and very powerful because mostly that's what we do. We beat ourselves up. You know, is your physical health good? Do you frequently experience what I call the difficult emotions? I'm calling them the difficult emotions because they are difficult. So when I say the difficult emotions, I mean depression, anxiety, fear, rejection, anger, resentment, betrayal, isolation. Uh, you know, shame. So do you often, how often do you experience the difficult emotions? Do you frequently feel overwhelmed in life? You know, are you sitting there right now judging and assessing yourself in a negative way? So here's what I know. When you start working on yourself to live your best life, you know, your 
tendency to compare yourself to others is going to decrease and decrease and decrease in proportion to the amount of time you're spending growing new skills, growing new habits, learning new things, you know, being the best you can be, which by the way, is done through growth and development. And all of my podcasts and all of my YouTube videos, everything that I do is about you being the best you can be, you being really well loved, being really happy, being really healthy. That's my whole point. That's, that's like how I live life because I've had a ton of hardships, ton, ton, ton. Oh boy. And I'm good at the difficult emotions. I don't like the difficult emotions, but I'm really good at them, which is a little sad, but it is what it is. So here's the thing. If you, you know, get yourself sorted out, then you'll be at work, hopefully playfully and fun in a fun way to have your life be magical and all it can be. Like you could be that. Now I have problems just in my life, just like everybody else. I mean, I've never had a problem free life, but I'm capable and skilled at dealing with my own problems. So for example, I don't have enough. I have a lot of friends. Okay. I'm really, I have a lot of friends. However, my friends are busy with work and kids or grandkids or, you know, this side or, or their husbands or whatever. So I have a lot of friends, but I don't have enough people in my life who are available to go do the things that I want to do. So I'm lacking in social connections, which I started to work on before the pandemic by starting a little social outing club. But then we had the pandemic. So, you know, I'm with a group of people, of course, I don't do things by myself unless I have to. I always take people with me because it's way more fun when you have people on the ride. So, so I'm starting the social outing club locally, which is not a singles club. It's not, it's not a singles club in any way, shape or form. And that's very clear. It's on the flyer. This is not a singles club, but it's just a way for people to meet and connect with you want to, you know, and we'll have monthly dinners and, you know, and so I told two of the people, oh, you're one of the founders now. I'm not sure they're like, oh my God. Yeah, I and I'm still going to recruit people to be other founders because, you know, the more the merrier. And it's going to be a fun group. But this is the way I'm addressing, you know, one of the, the problems I have in my life, which is I don't have enough people with enough time or our schedules don't line up. So I'm free. They're not. They're free. I'm not, etc. So like when you get to work on your best life, living your best life, you're just not going to have the time or the energy or the interest or the inclination to sit around comparing yourself to others because you're going to be focused on the things that are going to make you happier, hope you be healthier, hope you have more fun in life. So the best alternative that I can think of by far to comparing yourself to others is to live your best life. And I'm going to give you some suggested steps now to get on the road to living your best life and to move away from comparing yourself to others. Now, if you only compare yourself to others in a positive way where you're motivated and inspired and you see new possibilities for yourself or new dreams or new ways of doing things, that's really great. I'm just saying that the research does not support, but that's how mo most people do it. And that's not the result most people get. 
And I know as a decades plus long, decades long life coach, that is not how, how people do it. They, they end up on the negative side of things. So my first suggestion as a step to move away from comparing yourself to others is number one, to catch yourself in the act. Like you're going to become awake and aware and notice, and you're going to bring awareness to when and where and how often you compare yourself to others and in what capacity. Because the first, you know, point, stepping off point or starting point for anything is awareness. So you've got to become aware how often, when and where you do this and what's the result. So catch yourself in the act. And then the next thing, you're going to catch yourself in the act and then you're going to, you're going to make a judgment. Like, did, did that just inspire you? Did that leave you motivated to go take some action to improve your life? Did that, you know, did it make you happy or did it leave you feeling less than, did it leave you feeling depressed? Did it make you feel disempowered? You know, you're going to, you're going to first catch yourself in the act. And then secondly, you're going to start to evaluate what is the impact of this on my life? My third suggestion is that you make a commitment to live your best life. Set some goals and start taking actions towards those goals. They don't have to be huge goals. It could be, you know, getting your room organized or your house or your car. It could be you know, sleep, getting eight hours of sleep, or at least getting an hour more than you do. It could be, you know, losing five pounds. It could be starting to go out more socially. You know, you can set up any goals that you want, but what we know from the research is that setting goals and then taking the actions that are appropriate to achieve those goals will help you be happier. Like, what would your life look like? If you were up to living your best life, well, I don't know because I'm not you, but you know, that's a good thing to, you know, to ponder. All right. Number four, my next suggestion is that you make a resolute commitment to be all in for happiness. Why? Because the research on happiness and the research in science about how your thoughts and behaviors and actions and social and uh, environmental signals and clues can, you know, be very detrimental or helpful to your health. So I just did a podcast where I assert, and this is the title of the podcast, actually, how happiness can literally save your life. Now that's an assertion. That's not a fact, but it's an assertion that I make in the podcast that I support by science, including the science on psychoneuroimmunology, which is amazing. And everyone should understand what the science of psychoneuroimmunology is saying relative to your thoughts, behaviors, actions, and how it can be permissive for disease. Or clearly, if it's something can be permissive for a disease, then the opposite can be protective or preventive. Anyway, so happiness. So I also have, as if, as if that podcast might not, well, that podcast may or may not interest you, but I, I certainly, I am asserting that very strongly and very boldly, and, 
and I read the, some of the science in the podcast because I want you to hear what the science says because then you can make your own decision. But additionally, and by the way, my podcasts are have never been so heavy in science as that one and it's because I'm making an assertion that's not widely, you know, the field of psychoneuroimmunology is not... I mean, it's a strong field of science. It's been around. I talk about that in the podcast, but people don't widely understand that term. My, I have a crash course in happiness, which is a three-part or series, three podcasts together, that talks about the components of happiness. And we know that happiness has lots of benefits from you know for your heart, for your immune system, for your health, for your mental health. So my next suggestion is. You know, make a resolute commitment that you're going to be in for happiness. And those podcasts will give you things to think about that you might not have thought about before. My next suggestion is get a team or a buddy together for this journey. I mean, I I really am serious. I don't do anything alone unless I have to. I mean, like, I really, I love people. I love being with people. And being with people makes it more fun. So you want to get at least, at the minimum, one friend, one coworker, one family member, one somebody, one neighbor to go with you on this journey to live your best life, to be all in for happiness. Of course, I recommend creating a name for your team. I recommend having events and parties. And I do have a podcast about having more fun and play in your life. I'm a diehard fan of that. Like, life is too hard not to make it fun and playful, in my opinion. So get get a team together. Get I don't care if they're strangers. They could be people you don't know from a gaming platform. They could be <clears throat> people you don't know from a, from a group on social media. I don't care who it is. Get a team. Create a name. You can do characters. You definitely want to have prizes and make it really fun. My next suggestion is to have your emotions be a superpower because emotions, if you learn how to use them well, are actually a superpower that makes life so much easier. And I know how how hard life is. Trust me, I know everything there is to know about how painful and how difficult and how hard life can be. I do. Now, this idea of emotions as a superpower is actually the the subject of how to get going on that is the focus of two of my Newsweek.com articles, which you can find on Newsweek.com under the expert tab. Or if you look at my profile page on the Newsweek expert forum tab, um, you'll see my profile. They list all the articles I've published so far and quotes their, their articles that I've been quoted in. But you want to grow your emotions to be a superpower, which is a process. It's not an overnight thing, but having your emotions be a superpower is, is awesome. It's going to help you so much. I can't even tell you. My next suggestion is that you get going on self-care and self-compassion. If we look around the world, when you're out and about, just look at people. Do they generally look happy? Do they generally look like, you know, they're in good shape and they're taking care of themselves? No. The answer is no. 
they do not. People look unhappy. Sometimes they look miserable. You know, it's, it's readily apparent by our statistics in health that people are not taking care of themselves. And self-care is a foundation for living a great life because it will help you feel phenomenal. It will help you be healthy. It will definitely help you be happy. And there's no reason not to. I mean, unless you're just going to wait for somebody else to take care of you. So I do have a podcast on self-care and self-compassion. And that'll help you. I have some videos. I mean, there's plenty of material, but you want to make self-care and self-compassion part of your routine for for daily living. It's got to be a part of your life. And enjoy it. I mean, I was, it took me quite some time to learn the skill to be compassionate with myself. And I talk about that in the self-care and self-compassion podcast, as well as how my children helped me. They were really helpful. So, you know, these are things that are going to help you live your best life and they're going to help you be happier. They're going to help you feel good. They're going to help your health. So you want to get going. My next suggestion is to get therapy or help if you need it. Now, I do have an upcoming podcast on what is therapy anyway, because it seems to me there's a lot of stereotyping and stigmas and or myths surrounding psychotherapy or therapy that we need to put to bed. And uh, so, but if you need therapy, go get it. If you need help, you know, I mean, you might need some help and you might not need therapy, but get the help you need. Ask for help. I am somebody who, from way back in the day, for whatever reason, I asked for the help that I needed and I'm, I'm not, I mean, I don't love it. <laughs> I'll be honest. I do. I do it. Oh yes, I do. I don't love it though. I do it. I do it when I need to. And you know, but I don't love it. I'm okay with it. I just don't love it. But you know, so if you need help, get help. If you need therapy, get therapy. My next suggestion is uh, how affirmations can help you in this process. Because affirmations take advantage of what's called neuroplasticity of the brain, which if you're new to my podcast, and I don't talk about neuroplasticity in every podcast, but basically you can rewire your brain, your brain. Yes, you can. We That's proven decades, 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 decades long. And affirmations are a way to do that. I mean, you can either go into therapy and unpack your whole life, or you can do a shortcut. I'm a fan. Of, I'm a fan of shortcuts, you know, if they're safe and effective and proven and all that stuff. So basically, uh, an uh, affirmation is a short statement that you're going to say over and over and over again with rigor. And you can look up affirmations on the internet. Uh, Florence Scovel Shin, who was a writer back in the early 1900s, she wrote a book called The Game of Life and How to Play It. Uh, she had, was a huge fan of affirmations and referenced people in the past from hundreds of years before her who were fans of it and how it would work. So uh, affirmations can actually help you rewire your brain because you don't know what's in your subconscious and unconscious mind, which I do have a podcast about that. And your subconscious and unconscious mind is, can be very nasty people. 
I hate to break it to you. If you're not familiar with the fact that you have a subconscious and unconscious mind, you do. And lots of stuff that's floating around in there is not very pretty and it's not true. But you don't know that. So that podcast will help you. So when you're focused on making your life the best you can be, you're just not going to have the same time or energy to be comparing yourself to others. So here's my takeaways. So number one, it's time to recognize that probably, most likely, comparing yourself to others is probably not leaving you feeling good. Probably. And number two, it's time time to start pulling, pulling together a team or at least a buddy to go on a journey of making your life the best it can be, making your life be amazing, making your life be fun and joyful and happy because you can. And and I don't recommend going it alone. Listen, I'm single. I know what it's like to be single. I've been single for quite some time. I've spent a lot of time in my life single. Um, so grab a team, make a team and make it fun. And lastly, it's, tar- it's time to start taking actions because there are skills, there are habits, there are practices, there are empowering beliefs and attitudes that can make happiness be pervasive in your life, even, even, even when you have major life challenges happening, even when life is very difficult. Trust me, that's pretty much the story of my life. So for my call to action, it's time for you, you listening to this podcast, to get going on your own personal growth and and development journey, which is the access to love. It's the access to happiness. It's the access to the good stuff. And it helps you deal with the difficult emotions. So it's time to get your family and friends to join you. And my last call to action is, how about you share this podcast with other people so they can start growing and developing and start engaging in living their best life. That's all for now. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life podcast. Episode number 57, Comparing Yourself to Others. I hope you're going to take some of the actions that I've suggested so you can have a happier and more rewarding life. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe so you get the new ones automatically. And I definitely hope you're going to visit my website to enter my giveaway to possibly win a book or whatever I'm giving away at the time. And that's www.lisaalundy.com. Please hang in there. Take care care for now. I love you. That's all.